On my flight down to Shreveport, too, I was sitting in the exit row. My legs were outstretched. Everything was great. Right before the gate closed, though, this huge guy came and sat right next to me in the middle seat. And he was so big, he couldn't get the seatbelt around him. Now, you have to hear me out on this, because I honestly had no idea that they made seatbelt extenders on airplane seats. Yeah, flight attendant notices the situation, came up, yelled to the flight attendant on the other end of the plane, Get the elephant belt! (laughs) Elephant? I felt so bad for the guy, so I gave him my peanuts. That's John Garrett, former PwC internal auditor turned stand-up comic and now a public speaker and consultant on helping to build better business cultures. He's now an author. His new book is What's Your And? He's our guest on this edition of CFO Bookshelf. Bruce Reed, the remarkable Incredible, amazing CFO for <laughs> practice. Like, why are you laughing? Does that mean you're not? It's, no, oh, no heavens. Um, <laughs> come on, oh, come on. What, what's the I'm deal? Always, I'm, I'm always Did, just taken, I'm taken a little aback by the uh, by that each uh, each week. There's always something just a little bit different. Hey, what what's your and? What is your a and d? What's your and? What's your ampersand? Uh, my uh, well, maybe it maybe be helpful to know what. What is an and? An and is your and is what you do outside of work. Ah, what do you enjoy uh, doing outside yes, of work? Yes, you know. Well, you know that, uh, um, it, which unfortunately for me is, isn't a, isn't a possibility right at the moment. And um, there it, it's uh, it's lacrosse. It's uh, you know spending time with my um, with my lacrosse friends, playing a sport that I love, the, a sport that. Um, you know, a, you know, a, a certain people in, in the St. Louis area, a group of us share. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy everything about it from the, the competition to the, um, you know, the physical challenge and then the, the, the guys that I get the opportunity to do it with. Now I know you, but what, do you think that was an intrusive uh, question? No, no, I don't think it's an intrusive question. Um, there, I, one of the, I guess one of the things you could could say is from a business perspective, I think different people have different have different viewpoints on how much you dig into somebody's life outside of when they're at work. And I guess it depends on what your and is. <clears throat> uh, oh yeah, if your and's weird, then yeah, it would be. Um, that could that could be awkward. But uh, yes, but, but I mean, I, but I but I do. Um, I mean, obviously, it's something that you and I have talked about, and something that I. Um, that I do enjoy sharing. I, you know, I think it's it gives us something to talk about, and it, it's it's kind of a nice thing. You you know that about me. I know that you're a baseball fanatic, and I know that you you love the time that you you spend um, on your on your walks, listening to listening to books. Many of them by the great authors that we get a chance to 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 talk with on the show. You know, those are a few of your ands. Um, we share we share an and of exercise. Yes as well. And so I, th- I think those, those are the type of things that give a, um, oh yeah, there's guns out, sun's out baby or something like that. I can't get up to 13 <clears throat> inches on the, on those biceps 13. I, I want to get to beyond 13 inches. All right. That's well, good. Now that's getting, that's getting TMI ish. No, it's an OKR. Um, 
So I think. <laughs> or KPI. A KPI. KPR, no, KPR. Or, or, or TMI. So the, not only that's TMI. No, that's, that's a good, that, that's a, we'll, we'll work on that together. It's uh this is going to be the, this is going to be the year of the gun show. Takes years to build those guns. It does, but only moments to lose them. So I think that, but I, I do think, but, you know, sh- sharing, sharing those things and knowing those things about, about each other. Um, I think it, 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 it helps the, re- it helps the relationships. It's, it, you know, provides those, those bonds and those things that, that take, that take relationships beyond the superficial. Now, why in the world would I even be bringing this up? Why would I even ask, what is your and? Well, I mean, from a, I guess from the standpoint of, of, of quality podcasting, uh, it must be some, in some way, shape or form related to a guest or a book or something that we're going to be talking about. I'm shocked. So our guest, Bruce, is John Garrett, who is one of us. He started his career not too far from your corporate office. His first job after graduating from Notre Dame was as an internal auditor at PwC in downtown St. Louis. He's also been a financial analyst. He then became a stand-up comedian, which we'll talk about during the interview. He now does public speaking on culture and organizational health, and he's now an author. The book is What's Your Ad? So, Bruce, I can't wait to hear more from John Garrett. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. So why don't you go ahead and roll the interview with John Garrett? So, John, when I told my wife, Mrs. G, of almost 40 years of marriage, by the way, uh, our spouses, I've learned that they know everything. (laughs) They know everything. (laughs) But I told her the the joke that we played in the the intro about the seatbelt extender. And she said, ask John if that's a true story. Was that a true story? Okay, so it's actually two true stories combined. Uh, So one was uh, where uh, somebody had uh, needed a seatbelt extender, and I didn't know that there were even a thing. I I honestly had no idea. And then probably six months later, I was sitting in the back of the plane near where the flight attendants are, and I heard them refer to it as an elephant belt. Oh, my gosh. uh, To each other. And then... I put it together as a puzzle uh, to that. And then of course the peanuts is brilliant, happen. but that's the, that's the innocent of it's a circus joke. Um, you know, you think it's going to be super something really mean or controversial or whatever. And it's not, it's a circus joke. It's peanuts and elephants. That was hilarious. Yeah. I, I, uh, well, thanks man. Correct. Yeah. That was one of the first jokes I ever told. Actually, my very first open mic night, uh, I told that joke. Uh, it clearly got better over time, but, uh, but that joke was one of the first ones I ever told. So yeah, I'm pretty proud. I, I count to become comedian, but let's really back up. So I want to give you a little bit of a hard time, John, uh, PwC, that's, that's where you got started. So you start out in, in auditing. What were you thinking, dude? What were you thinking? Because they don't have any marketable skills. Why? So comedy auditing, I don't get it. Help help us through that. Yeah, it was it was a little more actually the internal audit and merger acquisition side. Okay, okay. Uh, It was definitely not tax. It was not tax. Like I had one, I think maybe two tax classes. And I maybe a C plus at best. I do not know why my brain does not work with taxes. It just doesn't. And there's so many accountants out there that are the same. 
And I prefer to, I would joke on stage that, you know, some of us prefer to embezzle, like we don't all do taxes, you know, like it's, it just as a joke, of course, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, my brain just doesn't work for taxes and it, it never has. And I don't know why. Um, so yeah, but I prefer the advisory services, more of the forward thinking things, more of, you know, I feel like tax and audit is so much what already happened. And then we decide what happened. And I was very much what hasn't happened yet? And what can we actually, you know, based on the business acumen that I had, like, how do we make things more efficient? How do we make things run better when a company's merging with another company? How do we make them hit the ground running earlier than, you know, stumbling out of the blocks, you know, if you will. I just want to say that I've met some tax partners where I wonder if they get <laughs> taxes themselves. <laughs> I don't, I'm not even sure. Like, it's just... It's just crazy. I mean, it's literally, what do you want the number to be? Okay, great. I I hope my friends at BKD are not listening in Kansas City. Uh, And then you became became a financial analyst. And then, so my theory is that you were already a comedian at heart and mind. So it's not like you are an accountant turned comedian. But at some point in time, you flipped the switch and this is how I'm going to get a paycheck. Is, is that kind of what happened? Yeah. Well, and I think that we all have uh, facets to who we are as a person. We have different dimensions to us and, and y- you can't expect to turn it off uh, when you go somewhere, whether it's a social setting or a work setting or, or somewhere in the middle. I mean, you're that person all the time. And so, you know, to think that you have to, well, okay, don't, don't be funny. Uh, when you're at work, it's like, what, what are you talking about? That actually made me so much better as an internal auditor to go in and be able to diffuse a situation. Or if somebody, you know, is really, you know, this is their first time interacting with an auditor and they're nervous or, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, no, I'm just a regular guy. This is my job. Like just, you know, whatever. And, and so, you know, it's, how can I help um, type of thing? And, and to diffuse that with some comedy was always good, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 it never, it was never my goal to be, have that be my job. I mean, that's insane. Like there's, you know, eight or 10 people on Saturday Night Live or in living color when I was growing up or kids in the hall and that that's their, their job. And, and then everyone else has real jobs. <laughs> like that's crazy. Like, and so it, it sort of just accidentally happened, but you know, I, I look back on it and you know, I'm, I'm really reluctant to tell people or, or not reluctant. I'm, I'm, I'm very blunt about do not follow your dreams and make it your job. It's, it's an, and, um, you know, it's, you're an accountant and, or a lawyer, or a banker or whatever, and something else like making it your job is crazy and hard and do not do it. <laughs> I mean, it's just that simple. Um, just don't do it. Keep it on the side. Cause you know, let's face it. You're probably not that good at it, you know, to make a living. So, uh, keep it on the side. It's totally cool. Before we get into your book, what is, what's your and? You were a warm-up for some big names. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, when you do comedy, I mean, you know, it's different comedy club every week. So if you name a city, I can tell you the comedy club in your city and 99% of chance I've been there. And, uh, you know, you, you come in on a Wednesday or Thursday and you hang out for three or four days and do morning radio and do shows all, you know, all that weekend. And then you drive home on Sunday or Monday and then do your laundry, get the bills and then go back out the next Wednesday or Thursday, same thing. And, and so, yeah, so, I mean, I've worked with tons and tons of people, friends of mine that, 
you know, now the last comic standing and have Netflix specials and, you know, and then moved to New York city. I was there for almost nine and a half years. So yeah, I mean, you're getting ready to go on and, Oh, well, Chris rocks here. So now you're bumped 15 minutes. Cause okay, I guess that's how it works. You know, <laughs> Or Seinfeld or Jim Gaffigan or, um, you know, Brian Regan or, you know, I mean, just uh, Daniel Tosh worked with him several times at comedy clubs, Louis Anderson at the Borgata in Atlantic city and a couple other big casinos uh, hanging out with Leno and Seinfeld. And, you know, you just, you're around them, you know, they're just people. And uh, so I've had the really good fortune of being able to, to hang out with them and learn from them and study, study them. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a cool journey. That's for sure. Now you've been podcasting for five years. I think I noticed in LinkedIn, you're like in 300 plus range, 312, yeah. three, I mean, for crying yeah. out loud. And then your book, well, I want to, let's talk about your book, What's Your And? That just came out in September uh, yeah. last month. How, how's that? How, how's that? How's the book? How's the reception been so far? Yeah, it's it's actually been really cool. I, I look at the book as kind of our message. It's not, uh, you know, there's you know, people that did something crazy in their life and then they write a book about it. And then, you know, that's that's an individual message. This is our message. Um, if, if you're out there right now and you, you're a professional that feels like you have to conform to a certain archaic stereotype to be successful, uh, this book's for you. Like if, if you have outside work interests, uh, you work so you can live, then, you know, this book is for you. And so I just happen to be the mouthpiece uh, from interviewing hundreds of people on the podcast, hundreds of people, not even for the podcast, uh, all the research that I've done dovetailed with research from universities like Duke and Northwestern. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's cool to see people read it and get, you see in the Amazon reviews, uh, people are saying, you know, I said yes so many times reading this book, and it's like that's awesome. You know, it's just cool to hear that uh, that that it resonates with people, that it gives them almost permission, and kind of that takes the monkey off their back of, you know, just you can be you. Um, you know, obviously within parameters, um, but uh, you know, be you, and 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 it's cool to see how it how it's just starting to spread. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just been awesome. Yeah. I mean, I never intended to write a book. It just became something that I guess needed to happen. And, uh, so it's cool to hear from people that haven't heard me speak. Um, you know, that's the other great thing of speaking at so many conferences allowed me to really dial in that message to know, okay, this is a real thing. It's not a, a Harvard business case study that lives in a bubble and then you bring it out in the real world and it's like, whoa, this isn't even close. Um, this is tried and true and, and, and works. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been cool. And I, I also heard from somebody else who had been on the podcast. He was part of the launch team. He's like 29 and he got the book and he said, so I got your book. I, I sat down to start reading it. And two hours later, I accidentally read the whole thing. He's like, I don't remember the last book that I finished. And that's the greatest compliment right there because I want it to be a pleasant experience. I want reading the book to be pleasurable. I don't want it to be hard or grueling or, or, or cumbersome. You know, I want it to be fun and enjoyable and I want you to finish it. That's why I wrote the whole book. I didn't write it. So you read the first half and then stop, you know, which a lot of business books that are on my bookshelf are kind of that way, you know, where I have a bookshelf, a bookmark in there and I'm not going to finish it. I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm not going to finish that book. You know, And so it, that's, that's been what's been really cool to hear from people. I don't want to give it all away. And by the way, I think 98% of your 
your ratings are five star. The other two yeah. percent, they're four star. This 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 is well received. But I want to read some of my share some of my highlights. Again, I don't want to give everything away, but there are two quotes yeah. I loved. In fact, I even put them on Twitter a few minutes ago. Uh, based on my experience, I believe that you are not engaged to your job, but you're engaged to the people you work with. Brilliant. Absolutely. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's based on my own work experience combined with interviewing so many people. And and it's not just accounting. It's, you know, all different professional types. Uh, white collar nerds is how I affectionately refer to them. Uh, that's what I am as well. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the people, it's the people, I mean, you know, you can do the job anywhere. It's, it's the people that you're working with and that's, that's really what keeps you coming in every day. And so, you know, companies and leaders have that upside down so many times and, and they try to, you know, think that you're engaged to the work and it's, it's not, you know, it's just really not. You mentioned a Google survey that just blew me. Oh, it blew my mind away. You stated, see if you remember this, a Google survey, only one question, one question addresses yeah. tech skills. I, yeah. I would have thought it had been the other way around. Uh, yeah. Everything on tech. Yeah, that's, that's for like when you're uh, like a 360 review sort of a thing. Yes. So when you're uh, reviewing your managers uh, for, for, you know, their feedback and what have you. Yeah. Nine out of the 10 questions were interpersonal skills uh, type of questions. One was my leader has, has the technical skills to be able to do their job all the other nine questions. And then there were, there are even some more questions in that survey that weren't ratings, but more of open-ended questions. So it's even more than the nine out of 10. Um, but it's, uh, that, that really speaks volumes, you know, and that's at Google, which you would think that technical skills needs to be pretty important, right. but when you become a leader, when you become a manager, when you become, you know, a, a, a partner, a CFO, uh, a controller, like, you know, it's less the technical skills and more the interpersonal skills and, uh, you know, it really matters. And we give people these titles, but we don't give them the support needed to do the job well and to, to be that title. And, uh, yeah. And so it's, it's just important that, you know, people see that you're the manager, you're the CFO, you're the partner, you're that person. You don't have to pretend to be somebody that you're modeling behavior after, you know, that person was somebody else, you know, like, and so bring, bring some of your flavor to it and your personality to it. I don't think, John, I don't think I was familiar with the Tom Rath study. Can you kind of walk, oh, yeah. us, walk us through that briefly? Yeah. So, so Tom Rath, he wrote the strength finder series, uh, which is a great series of books. Um, but my favorite book that he wrote is vital friends. And in there, he found that it's like 97%, I believe of people who have three close friends at work. And it doesn't have to be like creepy. We hang out, you know, all the time, but people that you can actually go to lunch with or hang out in the break room and chat for five or 10 minutes. Um, so three close friends at work, then you're more satisfied with your life. Um, and not just satisfied at work and satisfied with your job, you're satisfied with your life. And I think that's really deep. I mean, it, it's really deep. Um, you know, with how much your work identity and your home identity 
are, are interconnected and, and merge is, uh, you know, that's just another example that proves, you know, of how much that matters. And so, you know, you're not going to get three close friends at work by talking about work all the time. Like nobody likes that person, like nobody. And, you know, so it's all work all the time is not healthy and you're not going to get those three close friends. So then you're just not as satisfied with your life. And I feel like it's, it's, then it's a, you're in a tailspin. Well, you're not satisfied with your life. So then you're going to be less engaged at work. You're going to do less, uh, you know, your work product's going to suffer. And then now you're less satisfied with your life. And then you just keep going in this downward spiral. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that's a really profound study that just kind of puzzle pieces nicely into the what's your end message. Now, before we move forward, do I get to ask you, John, what is your end? Oh, totally. Yeah. You, I want to hear it. So, yeah. When, I mean, when I was, uh, you know, working in the accounting world, I mean, being a stand-up comedian was my end. It was a hobby that I had on the side. Uh, I wasn't getting paid for it for a very long time, justifiably so. And, uh, and then, uh, um, you know, but I also love college football, uh, all college football. I'm way into it. Uh, my brother was a coach at Cal for several years in Boise state when they beat Oklahoma and the Fiesta bowl. My brother was on that staff. So, uh, way into college football, uh, do quite a bit. I graduated from Notre Dame. So obviously that's my team, but all college football, I do quite a bit with the program now and, uh, have two Emmy nominations for shows that I've written for Notre Dame football that were on NBCSN. And so, yeah, so it's pretty, it's pretty awesome to be on the sidelines for games. And yeah, that's what really lights me up. I also love ice cream, uh, of all kinds. If I'm in your city for a speaking event or, you know, even for vacation, I'm going to find the local homemade ice cream place and I'm going to go and get some, like, I don't care if it's February and it's negative 10 degrees, like ice cream is awesome. And, uh, like I love ice cream. I also love music going to concerts. I, I really love that. I mean, it just, that, that live experience of, you know, that shared experience with audiences is, is super cool too. And so, yeah, so, I mean, th- those are things that definitely light me up, um, you know, for sure. Um, and if, when you come across other people that have this, those similar interests, like, man, it's like fireworks happen. And, and even if somebody doesn't have the same interests as you, uh, it's still fascinating to hear like what that is, you know, like, you know, like you could just, you, you could just see it in their eyes, their, their tone of voice, you know, there's color in in their, in their face now, you know, and they light up like legit light up. And when people are talking about work, sometimes they light up, but sometimes they don't. And, you know, and so, you know, sharing that and, and, and bringing some of that energy and enthusiasm and some of that passion and that emotion into the office, I think is really crucial. Um, you know, whether it's talking about work or not, that energy you can harness and then use, you know, for the work uh, that needs to be done. Please tell me as a Notre Dame alum, you've never done a parody on Rudy. Please tell me that you never. No, I I haven't, but there have been some funny ones. That's for sure. I I Um, love that. That movie is awesome. Oh, that movie is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not 100% the true story, but it doesn't matter. It's a great movie. And I mean, I'll, if I just hear the music, I will actually start crying. So like, it's like, I'm just a huge baby on it. Sure. Is Jerry Goldsmith. And that may be one of his best, his, his best scores. Yeah. I've heard yeah. that the, the part where they lay the, the jerseys down, I heard that did not happen. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think he was only in on one play and, but you know, 
semantics aside, the story was there and it, it, it's, it's, it's a great story, you know, broad sweeping strokes of, you know, someone that overcame a lot to, to make his dream come true. You know, it's, it's cool. I wrote some names down before we got started. Liz Wiseman, she's known for the book Multipliers. We had her on a few weeks ago. She wrote a book called Rookie Smarts, but she's known for Multipliers. Patrick Lencioni, you probably read a lot of his books. Um, there's Simon Sinek, who Leaders Eat Last. I uh, also wrote down, the, the. I think it's Smart. His last name is Smart. He does top grading. So there's a lot of good books out there in the organizational health space. But your book, I feel like, I'm not saying move over, but there's a place for your message related to great culture. Now, again, wow, thank you, I, I, I know it's like, yes, Mark, that, that's correct. But can you see where this applies to great culture? I mean, we've been kind of talking about it already, but your message, John, this needs to be part of, this needs to be on the table if we're trying to improve our culture, right? Well, thank you, man. That means so much. Cause you know, when you're writing a book, uh, you don't know how it's going to be received. Like when I'm speaking on stage, I can adjust, I can, you know, pivot, I can, you know, do things a little bit differently or go more into one side and less on another, depending on how the audience is. But when you're writing a book, it's, it's really hard to be like, well, I'm writing something that hasn't been written before. You know, like there's a billion books out there or billions probably understating it, <laughs> but you know, it's just, there's so many books and I don't, I respect everyone's time and my own time to just, I don't need to write a book just to write a book. Like I, I, I wrote this book because it had to be written and, and the message isn't out there and no one's talking about it. They're definitely not talking about it in this way. And so that's why I wrote the book. And so I appreciate you saying that because um, I, I'm coming from comedy where you have to be 100% original. You can't borrow other people's jokes. You can't uh, cover someone else's. You can't put up a slide with a quote of, you know, Jerry Seinfeld or Chris Rock or whatever, you know, like you can't uh, do that. Um, and so I very much hold myself to a different standard of either it's totally original or I'm not doing it. And, and, and so that's why I worked really hard on it to make it that way. And I had somebody tell me at a conference last year that, and this was floored me. Um, they said, there's, it's somebody like you that reads like a lot of books you could tell. And they said that I'm the puzzle piece between Simon Sinek, start with why Brene Brown's vulnerability and Seth Godin's kind of purple cow be unique. And I'm not any of those things. I'm my own thing, but it's the puzzle piece that connects those three. And so uh, I was just floored by that. I mean, that's, those are monster pillars in the, in the thought leader world. And they're and, right. Uh, By the way, they're right. They are one. Well, of thank the, you. Man. That person is 100% correct. But now yeah. I need, now I need to ask you a, a hardball question. I need to throw in okay. my 101 uh, Sandy Colfax. Well, he threw left-handed. So, right. <laughs> so you do consulting work too. Here's sure. the question, John, does it work? Does your, when you go into consult companies, does this work? What's your and? Does it work? Yeah. And it's so cool to see when it happens um, it, because it's so simple, but it's also not easy to do and make it part of the routine and make it part of the, 
part of the culture, part of the, when somebody starts and they're like, well, this is just what we do, you know, type of thing. It totally is. And that's why in the book, uh, I didn't want it to be just all theory at the end, module three or nine examples that I've seen in the real world. So just in case you're a Debbie Downer, or you, you, you don't think this is real, or it's all just theory. It's like, well, here's nine examples. Don't copy them, but use them as inspiration to then make it your own. Um, but simple examples, like in, in your email signature, you know, you, you put all that stuff in there. I mean, people even have fax machine. Like who has, who faxes anymore? Like, really? Are you a, like a pharmacy? Like who's getting faxes? Like nobody. And yet your fax number is part of your email signature and whatever. But what if at the very bottom of that, um, it was, I enjoy, and then everybody has their thing, you know, two or three things. Maybe I enjoy, uh, you know, running marathons and painting, you know, uh, whatever and painting and, you know, whatever it is. And, and then if people see it great. And if they don't see it also great, like it doesn't matter, but it's just cool to hear from companies that have done that. And, you know, all of a sudden clients or coworkers, uh, yeah, people in even other departments are like, wait, I didn't know you like to do that. That's awesome. And that, that's the first question they ask about. It's not what the actual email content even was. And so you're creating those connections because at the end of the day, it's a human to human transaction. Um, even if it's business to business, there's still another human on the other side. And if you're able to create those connections and, and you know, cross de- departmental connections, you know, with clients, with coworkers, um, you know, then, you know, with customers, then it just goes so much longer and uh, so much farther. And you just have a genuine interest in the people around you. Uh, so it, it definitely works. And it's cool to see when it happens because then you can see it click and then, and then you see the conversation. I mean, when I speak at conferences, it happens at the break after uh, people having these conversations when they go to lunch. I've heard from people that have said, I had the deepest conversation I've ever had at a work, anything. That's awesome. And it was with complete strangers, like people I just met at this conference. And, you know, it's just really cool to see that and hear that. In the interview arc that I sent you, we did mention the Debbie Downer type, but I'm going to pivot from that one. I have a side gig where I help other CFOs around the country who, Mark, I want to do what you're doing. So can you help me? Can you coach me? Can you mentor me? I just had a call today with a young lady named Katie. And by the way, Katie, I have a feeling you're listening. Hello. How are you doing? And I hope she, Hi, doesn't, Katie. <laughs> hope she doesn't mind me uh, bringing this up, but I have a, I have maybe two of these calls a week and I'll tell you this, and I know you're going to be nodding as I say this. So I'll get questions about what do you do? How do you do it? Tell me about your tools. Talk about the analytical stuff that you do. Uh, what analytical tools, uh, software do you use? Guess what? Never, ever, ever comes up. People issues, organizational health issues, never so really, right. my question, instead of talking about how do you deal with Debbie Downer, how do you get CFOs to start even just thinking this way or accountants? Like, what's the so what here? Yeah, yeah well, I mean, I think it's, uh, there's, there's, when it comes to attracting and retaining talent, which is the number one priority for everybody uh, year, I mean, for at least the last three to five years, it's been re- attracting and retaining talent. I mean, we're at an all time like low as far as having the resources. So uh, if you want to attract cool and really good people and you want to keep them, 
then you're going to have to care about them and care about them holistically, not just their technical skills. And if you don't, then someone else will, and they won't come back from lunch. And now you're screwed. <laughs> it's really that simple. I mean, dollars and cents uh, as an accountant, I can go right to the heart of it. I mean, you know, it's one and a half to three times salary to replace that person, not just in the recruiting, but in the lost productivity and getting the new person up to speed with what you're doing, where you work, you've lost one and a half to three times that person's salary. So if they make a hundred thousand dollars a year, that's 150 to $300,000 that just walked out the door and every single person that leaves. And so, you know, being okay with that is insane. I mean, like that's insane. And so, you know, but, but not only that, you're going to have people that are more engaged. Uh, like, like we said earlier, you're engaged to each other. You're not engaged to the work. And so keeping people engaged to each other, keeping people having those conversations and genuinely caring about them, but also as a leader, uh, you can have the title, but maybe you're not actually a leader, but you become a leader. You're a little bit vulnerable. You're a little bit human. Uh, you know, this is who I am as a person. It's hard to, for, it's hard to remember, you know, when, when you're 22, 23 years old coming out of college and, you know, I walked into PricewaterhouseCoopers and I, anytime there was a partner, it was like, man, you must be like a God. I mean, you must, you must have everything memorized. You must be so perfect at everything. You make no mistakes at all. And like, you know, and then about six months in, I'm like, that's not even close. It's not even close. They're just regular people that sometimes make mistakes. A lot of times they don't, but you know, they're human. And so, you know, the more human you could be, the more relatable you are to everyone else. Uh, and and the, the critical feedback isn't so critical and people are going to want to work with you and want to stay with you. And, uh, you know, it, it just really goes so far to just, just care about the people around you and find out what their end is and share yours as well. We're, we're moving into strategic, strategic planning season. And the question comes up, how could you incorporate what's your and during a, say, whether it's a partner retreat, a strategic planning retreat, where could this fit? Because I, I want to hear your take on this. That's an interesting question. Yeah. And I mean, I, it, I think that, you know, when it comes to like a C-suite or a partner group, um, within that group, a lot of them, well, I know what their ands are. I know that person, whatever. But as soon as a staff person comes in, we button up and, you know, just start talking about dropping acronyms or whatever work jargon. And it's, it, that's where the, I think the disconnect is, is it has to be vertical, that sharing of the end. It can't just be horizontal. So it definitely needs to be vertical. And, um, you know, it needs to be baked into, you have to be intentional about it. You can't just say, well, I'm going to tell people to talk about their outside of work hobbies and passions amongst themselves and then not actually go do it. You know, like you can't just tell them that you have to be intentional about it. You, you have to lead the charge as well. And then it's also really important. There was a chapter in the book about make it safe for people to go second and right. third, because if it's just you doing it, some people might think, well, is this a trap? Like if I, if I admit that I have other things that I like outside of work, like, is this a way to weed out whoever? And, and it's not, it's, 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 being showing that genuine interest in the people around you. Like there's cool people all around us and you just don't even know until you start to share it. And uh, you, ha you really have to be intentional about it in, in it in whatever way works for you and your department, your organization, 
of how this can manifest into a day-to-day thing or a weekly thing or a monthly thing. Um, you know, another example is some, some groups have an, uh, an all staff meeting or a department meeting once a week, once a month. Well, every one of those have a different person get up and do a three to five minute presentation. And the topic is your and your outside of work, hobby or passion or interest, share some pictures, tell some stories. And there we go. Three minutes and we're done. And if you need a reason, then make it, uh, you're going to public speaking skills and you can coach them then. Um, but subconsciously people are bring being brought into closer together. So whatever way this manifests in your group and your company, um, you need to be intentional with it and, and it needs to be baked in to that for sure. Um, but yeah, it just depends on how you want to play it out. This is good stuff. Can we have a little fun? Can we have a little fun? I, I, absolutely, man. I thought we've been having fun, Mark. Oh, actually, actually, okay. That, okay. I, <laughs> I'm I, teasing, man. I walk right into that one. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> We're going to play Stump the Expert. Hey, you like the music? You like the background music? Can you hear it? Yes, I can. Absolutely. That's great. So, so I stump you then? No. That's a good one. That's a good one. No, it's okay. Stump the Expert, not Stump the Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, then we both be screwed. <laughs> uh, so, stuff the expert. What we're going to do is so you're the author of What's Your And? So, I wrote down a handful of names. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do five of these. Yeah. These are celebrities, and I'm going to ask you what is their and? And I, and okay. I try to pick some, some people where you might know, but let's start out with a guy that you actually mentioned near the top of the show. Jay Leno. Do you know his and or one of him? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to go uh, automobiles on that one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Vintage. And, yes. Yeah. He's legit about that. He's very legit about that. One of my favorite interviews, one of my favorite all-time CEOs is Alan Mulally. He used to be the CEO for Ford and turned, yeah. them, turned them around not once but twice. But there's an interview between him and Alan and it's in uh, Jay's uh, garage, and it is uh-huh. an outstanding. I just I've watched it probably two, three times. Outstanding, yeah. but yeah, he he loves his cars. It's a good one, oh, good sure. one. And he uh, works on them too. He knows what he's talking yeah. about. He just doesn't like cars. He like he knows how to fix them. Yeah. So the world is mourning, and I don't think you're going to get this one because I didn't know this until last night. The world is mourning the the passing of Alex Trebek. Do you know what yeah. his and is? Now, he has several, but there's one that really impressed me. Want to take All a right. guess? I'm going to say uh, water skiing. You know, that could very well be. I'm not saying no, because I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but, I was just making it up. It just seemed like a crazy thing for Alex Trebek to do. <laughs> uh, he, he So there's a, there's a special episode. Uh, I think ABC did it, and uh, they went back into his either his garage or his basement he has every tool known to mankind i mean so okay. he, he, like his wife he redid their bathroom so he, that that's something he loves doing he's a handyman he, he, yeah. absolutely cool. so now again that's that, that, yeah, that i would not have guessed that in a million years that was a tough one so i'm gonna see, give that's you, that's interesting and it's cool and that's when your brain starts you know clicking well especially it's like, oh, i'll never forget that now especially yeah. someone like him um yeah Here's here's maybe an easy one, Sir Richard Branson. Oh, Richard Branson. You know, I'm gonna have to say, uh, like he's got lots of them. sports of some sort, like parasailing or some crazy thing where you jump off a cliff with a piece of nylon and fly. Like it's just 
something like that. Uh, we're going to give you the, we're going to give that one to you, but I've read where he loves kite surfing, but it's right. It's oh, right. Okay. In, it's right in there. But again, okay. jumping out of airplanes, uh, rocket ships, <laughs> whatever, right, right. Whatever, um, whatever you wanted to do when you were eight years old, pretty much. <laughs> I have two more for you. Okay. So this one should be easy. Now there, there are two that I'm aware of Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett. And I think you're going to know what number one is. Warren Buffett, huh? He loves- I will say for Warren Buffett, uh, his and is cattle rancher. Oh, John, <laughs> I guess that was a good guess. Nebraska's from Nebraska. Uh, he plays right. bridge. He's a bridge player. He loves oh, bridge. Right. He plays. That's right. He I plays do remember that. a lot. That in fact, we stumped I, the expert. I think yeah, he I plays that, that probably it. every day. He, he plays bridge when he's not cattle ranching. Mark. That, there Come you on, go. Now. Okay. Like okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Last okay. one. Last one. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm, 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 um, I don't think you're going to get this one. This one. Okay. Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher, wow, that's going back. Her and is Ronald Reagan impersonator. <laughs> that's what her and is. <laughs> what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At yep. no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even agree, close John. to anything Billy Madison. that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber. For having may God have mercy on your soul. Uh, that is a classic. <laughs> that is a classic. And may God have mercy on your soul. Oh, man. That was oh, fun. Man. So You so, could have played that after every one of my answers. <laughs> so that was called Stop the Expert. And, uh, so what is Margaret Thatcher's? I'm on pins and needles over here. Well, I've read. I've read where she likes cooking. Now, she, she will admit okay. that okay. I'm not a cook. But she just likes it. It's something she enjoys. She likes fashion, yeah. too. I would never guess that. But, uh, but no, no, that was not, that was no, no, that get, well, we're going back like 40 years. I know, I mean, but uh, no, no, yeah. uh, cooking was her, uh, was her. And yeah. so, so you get, you kind of get the idea that this just puts people at ease. And uh, so we're not just trying to have fun, but trying to make a point here. Hey, last, well, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, and, and it also just, I mean, a lot of people listening now, it's like, wow, I didn't know that about them. And, you know, I thought I knew who they were. And just imagine those are people that are like in the news a lot. And, you know, there's books written about them and what have you. How about just the person down the hall or the person that sits in the cubicle next to you? Like, do you know what their end is? And if you don't, like, that's a, that's, it's a shame because maybe it is playing bridge or maybe it's Ronald Reagan impersonator. I don't know, but it's going to be something where you're going to go, wow, tell me more about that. Where if it's, what's your job, there's rarely a follow-up. Wow. Tell me more, you know? And so there's, there's just cool conversations to be had and, and you just find out about people and uh, it's just awesome. And I'll never forget these now ever. Angelina Jolie, she didn't crack the top five. She likes daggers and knives. She's a collector. And it's like, boy, there's a lot of follow-up questions there. <laughs> so right? uh, No, yeah. totally. Yeah. And it provided it's legal and not taboo, then it's game. No, you know? it, like, it's, it's, it's legit. Game. It it truly yeah. is legit for what I've read. So wh- yeah. wh- what what is your perfect client? What is your perfect client? What's the ideal client for you as you start bringing this message to Current clients, prospects, 
and, yeah. and, and those that, I mean, you do a lot of public speaking. So again, what, what is the ideal client for you, John? Yeah. I mean, so any organization, like I said, of white collar nerds, so that's accounting, law, banking, insurance, consulting, uh, actuaries you know, need this Actua- actuaries. Definitely. You know, I mean that kind of, uh, those kind of professions, um, and the organization itself is, uh, recognizes that they can do a little bit better. Um, that's, that's the best. Some of those best places to work for kind of places are great because they want to do better. They know they can do better. It's the places that need me the most that are never going to get it. They're just not going to be receptive because it's not a priority for them. And so I've, I've stopped banging my head against that wall. Instead, it's who are the people that are 50% there? Let's get you to 90 instead of the people that are at zero and let's get you to wherever you want to, like, I'm done with that. So, you know, it's the people that are, that are already doing cool things. Like how can we just pour gas on that fire in a good way and like really light it up and, and make it better and accelerate that. And um, you know, and it's also, it's, it's something that you can just start with today. I mean, just at the people around you who you're in your next meeting before you get started just, Hey, just curious. you like, I heard about this crazy concept. What's your and, for instance, I'm an accountant and uh, whatever. Uh, and then you share yours and then what's your end, you know, and then you find out like what lights you up, what a hobby or passion outside of work interest might you have. And then, you know, it takes three to five minutes and then see how that meeting goes a little bit differently than maybe other ones in the past. Um, and, and also down the, in the future, the next time you run into that person. Before we wrap up, public apology, public apology. So the way we got connected, and I hope you've forgotten this, but I just interviewed Ron Baker of The Solar right. Enterprise. So anyone uh-huh. who reads me, they know that my favorite podcast is The Solar Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. And I think I think Ron listens. So Ron, how's it going? Uh, man, he's great. So you in LinkedIn... Right after I did that show, I think you reached out to me and said, Mark, I, I would enjoy being a guest. Because I listened to that episode you when did, Ron was on. You did yeah, listen to show. it. Yeah. And when I saw you in LinkedIn, in my in-mail, I, I said, thank you. Let me follow up. But I had not looked you up. No worries. Well, yeah. but again, I want to public apologize, publicly apologize, because what happened was I don't always catch, I mean, I've listened, I think, to all of about maybe six episodes. I mean, I'm a nerd. I check off. I keep track. I've even taken notes on a lot of their 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 their, their shows. And I had not listened to your interview yet. And then I listened to it. And then I'm on the Patreon site. I subscribe just as a way of saying thank yeah. you to them. And I heard your the, the other, the bonus episode. And I'm thinking, Mark, you are an idiot. This is John Garrett. <laughs> so I, not at I all, about a week later, I get back on LinkedIn and, and uh, so it's like, man, okay, this, the John Garrett. And then I read your book and I thought, oh my, I'm an idiot. So anyway, I just wanted to say, I should have, I, sh- I wish, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is the world needs to know who you are and they need to know your message. Well, thank you, man. That really means a lot. And no, no apology necessary. I mean, I'm, I'm an accountant on the inside. I'm not a marketer. So, you know, like it's, uh, I just appreciate, you know, you, you being so receptive to the message and really, you know, taking it to heart and, you know, reading the book and your kind words just mean a lot. So, uh, you know, I, I just 
it, it is it is a message that I do believe like everyone needs to hear, which is why I wrote the book. Well, I'm so I appreciate it. I'm now officially a forever ambassador. We need a name for people like this. I'm a forever ambassador for your well, message you, for you, John. So even though I know what are ways for people to keep up with you, how can they follow you? What's the best sure. way? Yeah. And I mean, the website, what's your and.com. Uh, what's your and.com. There's the podcast there. The book is there. Um, and that gets you into my website. Follow me on LinkedIn or connect on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, uh, a little bit on Facebook as well. Uh, and uh, Instagram is really cool from the podcast of seeing all the guests light up doing their and whether it's ballroom dancing or making kombucha or playing the guitar or, you know, watching horror movies or, you know, cooking or whatever your thing is, you know, it's just cool to see people light up um, like that. So what's your and.com fantasy football, <laughs> right? Fantasy football. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bob Lung, he wrote the book on fantasy. He was doing fantasy football using like Lotus one, two, three, back in the day. Like I'm telling you, he's like the OG of fantasy football. Like he, 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 write, he has this book that is amazing. He has this whole philosophy of how to draft teams and, and he's, he's huge in the fantasy football world, huge. And every August when their drafts are happening, clients are like, Hey, can I pick your brain on how to draft? And while I'm there, might as well talk about my taxes and you know, like how things are going. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's super cool. I mean, just all those things, whatever lights you up. It's, it's cool to see people do that. I'm going to let you wrap this up and this is stone cold. Give us a good one-liner and we'll, we'll wrap this up. Oh boy. A good one-liner, like a good joke. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I guess the shortest joke that I have is um, that, uh, so I ran a half marathon uh, and I'm found out uh, that I'm not a very good runner because by the time I finished, the winner was already back in Kenya. And uh, so he just, he ran, ran right to the airport and yeah, just, he was already home. That's how slow I am. You are listening to CFO Bookshelf, lifelong learning for financial leaders. And now back to your hosts, the no-name CFOs, Mark and Bruce. Bruce, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, do you know everyone's and in your accounting and finance department? <laughs> I know an and. I don't know if I, I don't, um, you know, true confession. I don't know if I know the and there. I, I know, I know many ands of, of the team. Um, you know, there's some that like to, some that like to work out. There's, there's at, uh, at least one who you can count that on that they will not be, um, they will not be in the office the day before um, March Madness starts. Um, coincides closely with a birthday, and they are just very, uh, very big into um, the tournament as well. Um, some it's uh, involvement with with uh, kids' football teams, um, and, and some it's you know, and, and others cars and um, cars and. Uh, we actually share a similar taste in music um, there as well. So, um, so I'd, I'd say over time I've learned some ands, but I, true confessions, I don't know if I know the end. What about your leadership team that you're on? <clears throat> um, you're there's, there's hesitating. Con there's connections. Well, I mean, there's connection. There's there's trains. There's horses. Um, 
there's a there's a there's a dog. Oh, I know who the terrains. Um, I know I know who has the. I know who likes terrains on your team. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so I think I, I do feel like we've. Um, and I hadn't really thought about it until you asked the question. It's one of the reasons. So I, oh crap, you know, but I, but uh, I think it's, maybe that's a testament to the, the, the high quality people that, um, that, that I'm, I'm fortunate to work with is that we, we do, uh, we do have some of those conversations that, that reveal some of the ends. Here's a recommendation, Bruce. I want you to take this message back to practice alike. So maybe on a department by department basis, encourage the managers of each of the departments to start asking about their ANDs. By the way, they should get the book. Like your company should just get a copy. And, and by the way, I, I hope I'm getting a standing ovation from John Garrett at this point. But I mean, you can afford this. If you get the book, if you anyone listening, if you get the book and don't like it, send me an email and I'll reimburse you. Because I, I will not lose that bet. Uh, this is a very easy, oh. digestible book, and you're going to benefit out of it. I'll tell you how I'm going to do it as a consultant. So I do a lot of the, so a lot of my businesses I work with, we have what's called uh, transparency. So we we share numbers. We, 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 we have an open book. And so I think what we're going to do and so my upcoming meetings is I'll pick one or two people. I'll find out what they're and, and I'll share. Here's what these people do outside of work. Can you guess who they are? And oh, we'll, we'll just keep doing, yeah, we'll just keep doing that until we get through all, you know, every staff member. So that's how I'm going to try to incorporate this within my practice. And I'm going to encourage CEOs to be doing this. Uh, throughout their teams, their leadership teams, and then um, you know everywhere within the the businesses that they lead. So anyway, yeah. that's my encouragement to you, sir. Well, that is, and that's a bold that's a bold challenge on your part because, I mean, if you if you weren't so if you weren't so convinced about the quality of this book and to be offering to buy them back, and we've got I mean what ten thousand fifteen thousand listeners. So I mean that's that I mean just doing the math that is a bold statement to make. So that's really putting your money where your mouth is. We're not quite that there, <laughs> but I will say this, Bruce, we got people listening all over the world. Cause I can tell where people are downloading and I'm yeah. thinking, how am I going to get a check or some money over to Madrid <laughs> or, or uh, <laughs> in Australia, very, very uh, inter- the, the, the international, international. I have a lot of people listening. It's like, do they not have anything better to listen to? But I guess we shouldn't <clears throat> say that. Maybe we, well, no. And, 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 and I don't know how we go down this rabbit hole, but you know, the, 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 the people who've agreed to come on and speak with us, um, who, first of all, absolutely know that, that, you know, they're, they're, they're giving more than they're getting. Yes. By, you know, Yes. I'd say hundred percent. They're giving more than they're getting by by coming on and talking with us. And I, I feel fortunate to be able to share some of these great books, some of these great people, some of these great viewpoints with my friends, um, family, and, and the people that that we um, that we that we 
that we know and that have been able to share the show with. It's I, I continue to be I continue to be astounded, and actually I'm kind of almost getting chills a little bit by just the the what reinforces how much good there is out there, how many really smart people there are out there who are willing with no expectation of anything in return to come on and and speak with us for a period of time. Well, John, you're awesome. I think you're an amazing individual. You ever come to Columbia, Missouri, or if you ever go to St. Louis, Bruce and I, we're, we're going to find you. We're going to smother you with kindness and steaks or wherever we, we, wherever you take people to, uh, Bruce, I know where I would take John. He's by the way, he's been to Columbia at a at a comedy club here in Columbia. I'm sure he's been in St. Louis uh, doing doing uh, some comedy uh, there. Hit the hit the uh, hit the funny bone. Maybe he hit the funny bone or one of the uh, one of the local one of the the couple of local comedy clubs around here. Let's wrap this thing up. All right, Mark. Again, uh, uh, enjoyed our time today. Everybody out there, please stay safe, be well, practice love and empathy, and we'll talk again soon. 